the way that children actually feel really good about themselves and very confident is not because someone has praised them for, you know, picking up their fork. Mm. It's because they actually have developed competencies mm. that they can look at and they themselves appraise the competencies as being very good. Mm. If they have to have someone on the outside say, oh, Johnny, you did so great. That child is actually hamstrung. They're, they're not confident. They are actually, and we'll talk about this, quite dependent right. on other people. Families with Dash offers a balanced parenting approach from generations of tried and true methods combined with research and insights from today. I'm Amelia Murdoch, founder of Dash Into Learning, the popular education company and homeschool mom of four. And I'm Joan Landis, licensed clinical mental health counselor, mom of seven adult children, and grandmother of 16 and counting. And I happen to be Amelia's mom. So what are we going to talk about? We want you to get the benefit of our decades of clinical experience and real life in the family trenches. We offer unique and actionable insights about family life, marriage, and homeschooling. Join us on Families with Dash and become confident and happy parents. Hello. Hey, this is so fun to be together again. Really glad. Yeah, I've looked forward to this, especially with school starting. This topic is very pertinent. Yes, right. So do you want to introduce the topic or introduce us? Well, we'll kind of remind everybody who we are, just in case. Um, so um, I'm doing this podcast with my daughter, Amelia Landis Murdoch, and she is a amazing entrepreneur, amazing homeschool mom. With She's right in the trenches with her little kids, mm-hmm. and um, she's just a wonderful wife, mom, doing all the hard stuff. So we just started school this week. Nice. So I'm doing school with my three oldest, and then I have the toddler. So it's been a busy week. Yes. And if it makes the anybody in the audience feel better, I'm a grandmother, and I started homeschooling this week, too. Mm. <laughs> so, so I'm a little bit in the trenches, too. Yeah, so you've got <laughs> two students or three? Well, two and a half, right. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, nice, yeah. So there's that. Yep. Yeah. And then I'm Joan Landis. Yep, and Joan is my mother, and she's the mother of seven, actually, and she's been doing her clinical mental health counseling Mm -hmm. for years Mm -hmm. now. So she has tons of experience with all her private clients and then also all this life experience with all of her kids and grandkids. (laughs) So it's really fun to have her perspective and have her teach us about some of these, you know, kind of specific principles. Mm -hmm. And then Amelia can kind of say, mom, get it down to brass tacks. What does this Mm -hmm. look like? (laughs) Yeah, what are you saying? Yep. So that's kind of what we do here. Right. And hopefully to give lots of creative ideas. You know, she kind of gives research Mm -hmm. and then we kind of talk about how to implement it together. Right. And hopefully you're going to hear things here that you don't hear anywhere else. Mm -hmm. That this combination of the clinical expertise and the family centeredness and the homeschool perspective is pretty, pretty great. A little bit unusual. So we we're confident that here you're going to hear some things you don't hear anywhere else. Yep. Yep. Okay, so today. Yes. Today is how to not create a praise junkie out of your child. Right. Is your child a praise junkie? Yeah. What to do about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's talk about what is a praise junkie. 
you're going to talk about some of the reasons behind it and what it really is. Right. What to do to get out of it. So it's a kind of a recent phenomenon, probably this last generation, maybe the last two generations, where children have become accustomed to a constant fix of praise. Mm. And so there's some problems with that. And we wanted to kind of point them out. So kind of what happens is because we want to have positive parenting, that we use a lot of positives with them and we're praising them a lot. And in fact, we're praising them for things that they may not need to be praised for. Like, oh, you got up this morning. Yay. Or you got mm-hmm. dressed this mm-hmm. morning and they're six years old. And you're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. Well, it's like, you know, we always hear, oh, for every negative thing you say to your kid, you should say five positive things. And mm-hmm. so you're just thinking like mm-hmm. anything positive I see, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And it turns into this praise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of Right. It's, it's kind of like it, we can easily uh, turn our kids into junkies where we mainline them with praise all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there's some interesting reasons why that has happened in the last couple of generations. I want to give you a little bit of the history on that. We kind of have an understanding. Why did this show up in the last couple of generations? So the cultural backdrop is that um, in about 1920-ish, a scientist named B.F. Skinner did tons of research in uh, positive reinforcement with rats and pigeons. And he was able to train them to do amazing things using positive reinforcement. So like the carrot versus the stick. Right, so right, right. Right. And, and he, ha- he used everything. Okay. He used positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment. So there's a little difference between those. Positive reinforcement is when you add something good in order to create more behavior. Negative reinforcement is you remove something good. Okay, so that's negative mm. reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So you're grounded. You can't be with your friends. Right. That's negative reinforcement. Right. Okay. And then punishment is when you add something negative. Mm. Okay, and so those three are the typical motivators that behavioral scientists use to train um, animals and small children and things like that. Okay, so um, he he did a lot of work around it, and people got pretty excited because they're like, "Whoa, we can train anybody to do anything. This is pretty powerful." It's a bit terrifying if you know um, governments and corporations want to do this to us. (laughs) It's Mm. probably not Mm. our our best look, but that's where it first started, um, understanding that positive reinforcement can do a great deal of good and that it can be very motivating. Also, permissive parenting in the 1960s kind of happened. There were a number of authors that really advocated for um, not punishing your children and not using the negative reinforcement, but only the positive reinforcement. Now, that probably was a pendulum shift from the really old school stuff, right? Where you you were literally beating your kids. Right, like the Victorian right. kind of like, here's the stick and right. you use it a lot. Right, right. Spare the rod, spoil the child, mm-hmm. those kind of things, that kind of understanding. And, and so it, it's understandable that the pendulum swung maybe a little too far in the other direction, okay? People are like, man, I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want anybody to pull my hair. I don't want anyone to box my ears. I mean, those are real things that they did. And we just, luckily, we don't really hear much of that now, which is great. But what happened was that maybe things went a little too far afield. And there became this movement called the self-esteem movement, where the idea was if children feel good about themselves, then they will behave well. And see, there's a certain amount of truth to that, and that's Mm -hmm. why it caught on. But then when you take it too far, then it becomes detrimental. So, again, that's why we espouse a really balanced approach to parenting. Right. 
really balanced and you have to kind of look at the big picture and say, okay, where are we in this trend? And, you know, making sure that you have a good balanced approach. Well, the self-esteem movement basically said, you know, if you be careful, don't do anything to damage your child's self-esteem because then he will not behave well. He won't think he's worthy of anything and he just won't even try. Hmm. So what happened is that everyone became afraid to damage their children. Right. So we're not do you doing any negative. If they ever feel bad, I'm going to damage my child. Right. Exactly. And that's not right. No, it's not right. No. And so we started handling kids with a lot of kid gloves and it it then we started kind of being saying, well, okay, if we don't have the negative reinforcement, we don't have punishment, I guess we've got to really, you know, slather on the positive reinforcement. Hence a lot of parents and schools and and sports teams and things just started doing all the positive reinforcement instead of any negative reinforcement or even punishment. Okay. So the interesting thing is that the research has shown that self-esteem is not the biggest motivator. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So and I think to our generation, that's going to be like, what? Right. So many people. Right. Grew right. up with that. Right. It's um, self-esteem is, is really, it's kind of, you're kind of grooming a narcissist here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all about yourself first and not that there isn't some of that that it's worthy but the way that children actually feel really good about themselves and very confident is not because someone has praised them for you know picking up their fork Mm. it's because they actually have developed competencies Mm. that they can look at and they themselves appraise the competencies as being very good Mm. if they have to have someone on the outside say oh johnny you did so great that child is actually hamstrung. They're, they're not confident. They are actually, and we'll talk about this, quite dependent right. on other people. So the best thing that people can do for their child's self-esteem is not focus on the self-esteem, is to focus on their competencies. Mm. So like helping them, setting them up so they can learn how to do something on their own. Yeah, basically. and skills. Yeah, Skills, and right? Skills, yeah. It's things where they go, wow, I know how to ride a horse. Wow, I know how to draw this picture. Wow, I know how to play piano. Overcoming these obstacles is on, and then when they see that, that's when they get it. And especially for boys. Hmm. Boys especially have to feel like that they have skills. I don't know if you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, you Mm -hmm. know, that movie. He he was, you know, just such a, just a loser because he had no skills and he knew it and he realized that his peer group would reject him because he had no skills. Now, that's really how... Um, very much how males work as as young boys that they admire other people who have skills and they really don't admire people who don't have skills mm-hmm. and those boys know it it doesn't matter if their mom goes johnny you're just so wonderful i know you can't you know you can't throw a ball or you can't you know do anything but you're just wonderful that kid looks at their mom and goes no i'm not yeah right my friends reflect it back to me right that this that i'm not capable so if you want your child to be confident, I really try not to use that word self-esteem. I just, I think it's been misused. But if you want your child to be confident and feel good about themselves, the best thing you can do is help them to be competent mm. and Confidence develop, develop comes some from competence. competence. Yeah, it really does. So another thing too is, you know, and listen, I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of overpraising my children. This is why I, I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It and it becomes kind of um it's almost a validation of yourself as a mom. Oh, you know, Johnny, you're doing so great. And there's this little bit of self validation, like, yeah, but they're yeah. Not. I help like see, look, right. they're doing great. Yeah, yeah. And it feels good to say you're doing well. 
Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, it kind of becomes a positive feedback loop. And so we keep doing it instead of stepping back and saying, mm-hmm. what's really happening here, right? So sometimes it can kind of fill our unmet needs for us to validate our children too much. Mm. All right. And then, of course, you know, the, the classical uh, is trophies for everyone on the team. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The participation trophy. <laughs> right. Yes. Right, right, right. So those are all kind of a culturally generated, you know, phenomenon. Um, so what are the problems with having a child that is a praise junkie? Maybe people are saying, well, so what? It's right. great. I mean, the biggest one that I see is just like kids become desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like an obvious one. Mm-hmm. And parents become desensitized. How often do you hear people say, oh, good job. Mm-hmm. Oh, good job. It's mm-hmm. just like this thing you throw around mm-hmm. for anything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the kids just are like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. They So they start ignoring the regular levels of praise. Right. It's just, it doesn't, it's, it's kind of like they develop a tolerance for it, just yeah. like a drug. Right. So after a while, they're not feeling the joy that it right. should be give because it's just there too much so they do become uh, ignore it or as a teenager even dismissive right like i don't want your cheap praise right mom. it doesn't yeah. mean anything to me right. because i can't do anything you know yeah for sure so so they do become dismissive and it loses its effect over time and so it's just like a drug that the initial hit was really exciting but then over time you have to keep increasing it to get the same level of pleasure yeah, right and it's like you see this i feel like like kids that are like hey mom look at this look at this look mm-hmm. at this and it's just like this constant it turns into like so annoying and like mm-hmm. watch this watch it's mm-hmm. like these kids are needing it so much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and and in that case what we want to do is look at what's the core issue driving that behavior right what's the unmet need there yeah and that's that's a whole nother podcast but but that whole attachment need, you know, mom, I need you to acknowledge me. I need you to look at me. I need, I need your attention. I need you. That's a serious thing. But if we try to fill that with just unconscious throwaway phrases of praise. The praise, yeah, exactly. It's it, like that's it, not helping anything. No. <laughs> they no. just keep doing it. Right. <laughs> or it turns into something worse. Right, 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 right. So the other thing is kids can become very dependent on it. Mm, and for sure. they almost won't make a move until that praise is there it's like validation mm-hmm. instead of right instead of motivation it is just like oh am i okay am i okay am i okay and it's not like wow i'm fantastic it's like am i okay right now that's different so see the the analogy with drugs again is is very apt because after a while you know you're taking that hit of just the to drugs feel normal. just to feel normal exactly right and the same thing for the kids. If you have a constant supply of it, then that's just normal for them. And if they don't hear it, they're like, what's wrong? Exactly. It must be right. not. Right. That is what happens because, you know, you, if you have created a praise junkie and they go out in the world and suddenly the world is not all over them saying how wonderful they are every 10 seconds. Which will absolutely happen. Absolutely happen. <laughs> then they feel like the world is very cold and very rejecting. Right, and this is where you get the snowflake. Right, <laughs> and so it makes it so they really don't want to engage with the world because it, it just feels so cruel and mm-hmm. empty. If you accustom your child to realistic patterns of praise and rewarding, and they won't feel as robbed, they won't feel so deprived mm. when they get out into the quote-unquote yeah. real world. Yeah. Right? So that's really important. Also interesting that... Human brains are much more easily motivated by fear than reward. Mm. 
Okay. When you said that before that, you know, you have to have five positives to counter one negative. Yeah. Well, this is the flip side to that, that one negative can be more motivating than five positives. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is how our brains are wired. It's a survival mechanism. And so if you know that and you don't use any negatives, you have just set yourself up for the hardest, most exhausting type of parenting ever. Uh, yeah. Right? So much. Right. Just constant. support. Right. And so much constant mm -hmm. talking. Validation right. and rewarding and, you know, and, and so, so knowing that the brain is much more motivated by negative than positive, we need to, in a balanced approach to parenting, we need to leverage that. Mm. We, we don't ignore that. We say there is a time and there is a place for that negative piece because otherwise brains would not have been developed that do that. Right. There's a reason why you know your body is like that. The other thing, too, is that human brains perceive pain and pleasure in relative terms. So without a counterbalance to all the pleasure, a brain has difficulty even sensing pleasure. This has to do with the dopamine hits. You know, you can go on the internet and find lots of information about how dopamine um, works in your brain. It's not the only reward. It, it really technically is not a reward neurotransmitter. It's more of a neurotransmitter that motivates you to approach or to seek. But the idea is that if you always have too many dopamine hits, then your brain creates kind of a new normal. Right. And what you need to do in order to reset that balance is actually experience some negatives or some deprivation. Right. And it's counterintuitive. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, it kind of makes sense. It's like if you don't eat sugar for a while and then mm -hmm. you eat it, you're like, oh, wow, this is like amazing. Exactly. But if you're like eating rich food constantly, it's mm -hmm. just like, wow. You don't and even and broccoli it. looks terrible. And you're like, oh, wow, that's right. horrible. Broccoli looks terrible. So it's very much like right. the palate. Right, right, because that has a lot to do with your reward centers mm -hmm. in your brain. And so if you use that food analogy, that actually is quite um, appropriate for even the uh, reward centers and the dopamine for praise, mm. okay? That um, if we don't counterbalance it, then it ratchets up mm. the need in order to feel normal. And so really, if parents don't use some of the negatives, they're doing their children a real disservice because the children's brains will not be able to actually enjoy the good stuff. Mm. It's so interesting, okay? You are not being nice to your child like if all you mm. do is pour on the positive stuff. That's so interesting. In fact, I have an article about why positive parenting is actually a big negative. Mm. You know, if it's a constant positive, and yeah. I'm not saying in the main, but right. constant, you right. have to be able to be willing to leverage some of the negative pieces. And this is a perfect example of the balance, right? Balance that parenting. we right. are looking at. Right, exactly. But most people would not understand this concept that if you have constant pleasure, that after a while your brain cannot sense the pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's only in the contrast. Right. Your brain is an organ that detects anything because of a relative comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the other <coughs> thing that happens is that overpraising children, it trains them and orients the child to external validation yeah. rather than internal validation. Which is a big deal. Right. Yeah. Because that sets up that kid for a lot of vulnerabilities. Right. Right. They're looking, always looking. Outward. Who is going to give me this validation. Right. And it can be bad sources. Right. Peers. Right. Yep. 
I'm, I'm seeking validation outside myself. And what are my peers thinking? What is social media thinking? Right. It's huge that it's a problem that if you aren't aware that it's a problem, you think you're doing the very best you know, and actually you're creating a major problem in the future for your child. Right. And it's like, it reminds me of Charlotte Mason has this really famous quote where she says, it's not how much the child knows, it's how much they care about what they know. And I feel like it kind of applies to this because it's like, it's not really what the child is performing or what they're doing, Mm -hmm. right? It's their internal validation. Like, why are they doing this? Mm -hmm. Are they getting it just to get this praise Mm -hmm. or are they doing it because this is how they get their validation this is how they feel good about themselves right right and so you know we don't want to look at just the outward performance behavior Mm -hmm. we have to think about where is it coming from right and and there's kind of this instagram parenting thing that says you know your children will develop their self-concept by looking to you for their for their first messages Mm -hmm. and that's that's true but but you don't want to stay there right the mom should not be the person that is serving in that role for too long yeah it's like that's like a two-year-old right 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 right. you really want to step back and say you know okay let's do the phase two where you are not looking to mom for all of your validation and who you are and for all of the validation of your emotions Mm -hmm. right and instead we we need to move on and learn something else so that brings us to the solution what's the solution to having maybe your maybe your kids are praise junkies they may be they probably are very easy to create this <laughs> especially as homeschool moms <laughs> i know if you're a homeschool mom i mean if you're any parent any really parent. it's so easy so easy it so, totally is yeah so we have a few ideas here that i think you guys are really like mm-hmm. yeah so may the first one is a little bit obvious that we need to praise less effusively and less often okay so dial back the praise people right just, just stop just <laughs> just stop just stop it <laughs> stop it <laughs> yeah think in terms of um making your praise and validation a very valued commodity not that you are stingy like no i don't ever say it again it's this balanced approach mm-hmm. just come back from this pendulum that has swung way too far right where the only way you communicate is right. positive right. reinforcement right like right 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 there has to be other things yeah there has to be other things and so you're going to dial back all of the over effusive validation and praising that's number 1 the other one is um you model your own self validation that's cool yeah that's cool your child needs to see you going dang did a good job that's awesome he needs to hear you say that i feel great about this yeah yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh i feel good and you know i'm a pretty good person Mm -hmm. your child needs to hear that because then that sets the pattern of internal validation and i think even like would you say even things where it's like wow i just love doing this Mm -hmm. things that are just like overall Mm -hmm. positive about yourself Mm -hmm. Yeah, and things that affirm, you know, that affirm yeah. your own emotions. Yeah. It's like, wow, I feel really sad today, and you know what? That's okay sometimes. It's almost like you're having this little conversation or this little script that is for yourself instead of imposed upon them. Cool. And they can witness it and say, oh, this is how grown-ups do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? So if you model that, that's a really, really important step. So mom, dad, if you find yourself having difficulty validating yourself and i'm telling you a lot of my clients do a lot of my depressed clients 
they come in and I'm like, okay, so let's talk about self-validation. And they're like, uh, that feels weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, and that's why you're depressed. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not the only reason, but it's a reason. So, so you need to model this. If you are not comfortable saying, Hey, I did a good job on that. If you're not comfortable doing that out loud in front of your child, seriously, I want you to be a little introspective and say, okay, what patterned me that way? Mm -hmm. What, what messages did I get growing up about telling myself that I'm okay, that I'm a pretty great person? Yeah, that's cool. The other thing is, um, to give your child permission to self-validate, okay? Sometimes some parents even say, don't brag about yourself or, you know, something like that. And it's well-meaning, but children need to be able to give themselves props so that they aren't constantly looking for that external fix. So one of the ways that you can give them permission is you actually kind of give them the words and you say, you know, if I had done that, I would be really proud of myself. Are you proud of yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great phrase right it's a great transition from hey i think you're awesome right okay they start thinking how do i feel exactly and that's what that's cool exactly exactly so they start monitoring their own feelings their own emotions their own needs and then realizing that they have permission to say yeah good job i i did a good job Mm -hmm. they have that permission mom has explicitly or dad has explicitly given them that permission you don't they don't have to wait for mom Mm -mm. they might get the unspoken message no you're not supposed to do that that's bragging or that's conceited right right it's it's really important to actually give them that permission and then you know give them the words give them the vocabulary maybe you know if they haven't heard you you might need to say something like you know i bet you feel very accomplished i bet you feel very proud you know something like that instead of good job good job's okay but you know Mm, everybody says good job that's okay It's a start. Good job is a start. Also, awesome is a start. Awesome. You know, that's a good one, too. So that's easy. But you could give them more vocabulary to be able to um, use. And then the next thing you can do is after an accomplishment, you ask, well, what do you think about what happened there? What do you think? Right. Yeah. Let them kind of dig a little bit. Well, what do I think? Someone's asking me to be introspective, right? And so if they hesitate a great deal, then you can give them that other bridge and say, you know, if I if that were me, I'd be amazed at myself, you know, or something like I'd be proud, happy, hopeful, satisfied, ecstatic, pleased, anything. Yeah, one of my favorite ways is especially when it's kind of hard to me for me to think of a new thing to say, I'll just kind of when they show me something, I'll just be curious. I'll be like, okay, how can I be curious about this? So mm-hmm. say, how did you think of this? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Where did this come from? What's your favorite thing? Love it. And then love it. it's such a better conversation than just, oh, that looks good pretty. Job. Yeah. Oh, good job. Yes. Yeah. We actually start to have a real conversation and they actually start to think about how did I come up with this? Where did this come from? How do I feel about it? What is my favorite thing? And it's just so much more. I um, love that. So much more to it. I love that. That's a super wonderful insight. Yeah. That so instead of just slapping the unconscious validation, you actually get curious and have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Thank so you. we like to do that. Yep. I'm going to steal and even that. Even if the child says, I don't know. Right. That's fine. Like, at least they're thinking. Right. And, you know, and as I've done that more with my kids, they've started to open up more. Right. And kind of think about it. Yeah. You invite them. Yeah. Right. And, you know, when people say, I don't know. That's a great way to say, I don't want to talk about it. Right. And, you know, you don't have to stop there. Like, actually, in my counseling, (laughs) I kind of tease my clients sometimes. They go, I don't know. I'm like, 
You can't say, I don't know. This is counseling. Come <laughs> up with something. We'll work with it. Right. We laugh a little bit. But um, just realize that when kids or anyone says, I don't know, that's their way of saying, I'm done. I've just put up a wall mm. in a lot of a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I don't want to go there. Um, but sometimes it's like, I don't know how to go there. Yeah. This is the first time someone's asked me. Yeah. And then it's, o- it's okay. You can kind of say, you know, it's all right if you don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of interested. I'm like about this particular flower. Is this a flower? You just kind of work around it. You don't yeah. let it stop you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love that, though. It's, boy, that's fabulous. Okay. And then. Thanks, thanks for the praise. Oh. Thanks for the praise. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm curious. How did you come up with that? I now feel validated. (laughs) How did you come up with that, though? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, another thing you can do is just instead of verbal praise, you can use understated body body language. A smile. Yeah, I love this. Pat on the shoulder. Using the gestures and just staying silent is one of my favorite things. And it goes both ways, I feel like, if you're trying to give something positive or if you're trying to point something out that's wrong, you can just do it without even saying it. You can just point or, like you're saying, mm-hmm. high five, thumbs up, mm-hmm. right. that kind of thing. Right. Do not, uh, don't ignore body language. No. It can be very powerful. Uh, but sometimes we just and I also like it because sometimes with my kids I feel like I'm talking so much Much. and I have four kids I'm trying to explain all these things all four children and so the gestures of body language are huge for me to just be able to Mm -hmm. not be talking all the time right love it Uh, yeah just save the touchdown celebration for something truly miraculous (laughs) right right now here's an interesting thing the research shows that many high achieving families tiger moms tiger moms uh the ones that that are the more the tiger moms there's some cultures that are a little more this way they use a great deal of shame associated mm. with disappointing mm. parents okay mm. now again if you think about how the brain works see a little bit of shame can go a long way to motivate a kid to do something now a lot of times it's not really great but it's very powerful medicine mm. okay i'm not I'm not advocating to shame your child. I'm not advocating to do any of that. If you read the book, The Hymn of the Tiger Mother, is that what it is? Mm, By Amy. Anyway, she's very frank with what goes into that type of approach of parenting. It is pretty brutal. It's a very culturally accepted way to motivate your children to avoid the pain of shame. And it's a thing. I don't agree with that. I think instead of shaming children, you want to have your attachment relationship provide the motivation not to disappoint you. Hmm. I love my mom. I love my parents so much. I respect them. I know they love me. Hmm. They want the best for me. I don't want to disappoint them. That's a different level of then, you know, saying, if you don't get straight A's, then our family will never have a doctor in it. And, you know, we're going to be failures like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just know that um, I don't think shame is the best way. I think leveraging your attachment relationship is really a much more positive way. And there's that gentle negative. It's a gentle negative that says, I don't want to disappoint. I want to avoid the pain Mm -hmm. of disappointing my mom Mm -hmm. and my dad. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, there is something there, right? Yeah. There is something there, right? That's there's that there's that um, actually just a little bit of pain associated with it. It's acceptable. Well, and I think in as they any every relationship has that to a certain degree. 
Yeah. It's like you kind of have to learn how to deal with that. Yeah. Like when you get married, you're attached to this person. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of, well, I don't want to dis- disappoint this person. It's right. not like this person's going to be happy with anything I ever did. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to learn how to deal with that. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the research also shows that um, a lot of the cultures that are very high achieving but aren't necessarily into tremendous amounts of, of shame, the, that the parents do uh, three things. Number one, they give the message to the child that they are gifted in some way. Hmm. It's like, Wow. You know, I can tell you have a feeling for music or mm. wow, you are. I mean, I've never seen a baseball arm. That's a, it's a long time since I've seen a baseball arm like that mm-hmm. on a six year old. Right. That's pretty amazing. So you let them know that they are gifted in some way. And then number two, because of that gift, they must not waste their talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The world needs them to develop their talent. Mm-hmm. And you don't give this idea that um your it, it, you want that growth mindset mm-hmm. that says you work hard and you will grow in your competency develop right um you don't want the mindset that says you you either have the talent or you don't and so sucks to be you if you don't have the talent mm-hmm. or you've got the talent and so of course you're going to be successful that actually can really um that can really ricochet that can really be a problem um if you give people if you give your children the message that because you're so gifted that you will be you know, you are going to be a doctor and all that because then they have this huge fear of failure. Right. But if you give them the message, no, you have talent, you have gifts, yet the most important thing is what? Your the hard, hard right. work. Right, the discipline. Right. That's that's the thing that's going to make success, make or break it. And, right. the, you know, there's nothing, I can't remember the saying, it says there's nothing so common as undeveloped genius. Right. 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 So, so you have to have that second piece that says because you are gifted, you need to uh, develop that because the world needs what you are going to be able to give. I think when you talk about gifted, like, are you actually saying, like, looking at a child and be like, this kid really is gifted in this area? Are you just, would you just make something up and be like, well, this kid is, you know, doing, they like to draw. I'm going to say this is right. their gift, right. even if they're not, like, amazing. Right. Well, the thing with children is that it's too early to tell much. Right. You can tell some, but a lot of there are late bloomers out there, and I mean a lot of it is probably just kind of what they're what they feel drawn to mm-hmm. almost, mm-hmm. and so then yeah. you and I think it's good to start with what kids are gifted with, right? Instead of saying you can do anything in the whole entire world, right. it's like let's mm-hmm. let's start with what you're gi- mm-hmm. gifted with and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, or things that you tend to love. Yeah, you know? tend to love, right? Yeah. Or on the other hand, uh, you can say, listen, maybe you don't love piano right now. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. It's a good discipline. Right. You don't you don't love math either. It's okay. Right. It's a good discipline. You don't only do what you're gifted right. at. Right. But, but there's this idea that we choose something and we say uh, that because of that gift that they should not waste, waste their it. talent. That's cool. Yeah, that's And really then cool. number three is that when they <laughs> this is this is interesting too, that when they perform, I, I hate to say it, but it's true. I, I know because I've seen the research on this. That when they perform, you say, That's lovely. I think you could do a little better. Mm. Isn't that interesting? And that it's kind of, <laughs> it's 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 kind of hmm. Now, okay. Now I can't tell you that that's going to make a really uh, secure, resilient child, but it'll create a child that will want to achieve. Okay, mm. they're trying to just oh, okay, I want to do a little better. I want to do a little better. And it's not creating a praise journal. It's not right. It's like the opposite of that. Yeah. Almost. It's like so. Oh. It's kind of like another tool in the toolbox you right. could use, possibly, but right. maybe not do that all the time. No, no. But as a tool, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
but see, you're balancing that with, listen, I know you have great capacities. Right. So you're balancing it. Yeah. It's not like you're a loser. You didn't perform well. It's like, no, you are amazing. I mean, uh, well, we don't want to say go over the <laughs> over the top, <laughs> but you know, you have gifts. Yeah. You have talents. You have possibilities here. And I've seen you work well. I've seen you do well. And the goal here at the end is to have a child who becomes confident because they see that they're achieving things, Mm -hmm. not because people around them are telling them. Right. Propping them up. Yeah. Because what's the subtext? If I have to keep propping you up with external validation, what's the subtext to that? You can't stand alone. That's right. Exactly. And you know what? (laughs) Kids feel it. Kids get it. And kids see other kids, you know, in Mm -hmm. the peer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, real confidence that comes from this. Right. It it shows. Right. So that's kind of our podcast on is your child a praise junkie? If they are, this is why possibly and what to do about it. Some different approaches that can kind of get him uh, detoxified. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Detox. (laughs) And uh, yeah, especially with school coming and Mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities to give praise. Mm -hmm. There's some other Mm -hmm. things we can point to. Exactly. We're not saying all praise is bad. We're saying a constant diet of it needs to be balanced. And there's some things that you can use to rebalance that. And that's going to create a better balanced child. Yep. It'll make your praise so much better when you actually do it. Exactly. So. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. Mm -hmm. Have a wonderful week, people. Bye. Bye. Find more from us at dashintolearning.com for all things educational and learn more about Dash Into Happy, our family-friendly social-emotional learning program. Thanks for being part of Families with Dash. Disclaimer, the information and advice posted on the Dash Into Learning, Dash Into Happy, and Into Happy site and podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical, mental health, legal, or other professional assistance. Call your medical or mental health professional or 911 for all emergency. Joan Landis, Amelia Murdoch are not liable for any advice or information provided on the account Dash Into Happy, Dash Into Learning, Families with Dash, or Into Happy.